Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Lopez wants it away. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Piazza. And the Mets lead. Hello, Mets fans. Nick Durst here, your host with the most. Thank you, everybody, for the support from episode one. With that being said, let's get things rolling along here and moving like Jose Reyes rounding the bases. I told you on episode one, I'm going to have many guests here on this show, and I was not lying. So without further ado, at this time, I'd like to welcome in our very special guest here joining us today. He's a lifelong Mets fan. And he is the host of the Brooklyn Boys podcast and a longtime radio producer, Mr. David Brody. David, welcome in to the Believe in the Mets show. How are you today? I'm good, Nick. Thanks for that great introduction. And I love your voiceover guy at the beginning. Excellent. Very nice. You did a great job. That's for did. Sure. No doubt about it. It's familiar to voice, voice to me, and I like that. So, David Having you on here, some good timing because you had a great experience recently where you got to sit in the Mets owner suite, Alex Cohen's suite at City Field. You were there with your podcast co-host for the Brooklyn Boys podcast, Scary Jones. Mm -hmm. We'll get more into your show later on where we can find that. So tell us about that experience and how it all came to be. Well, uh, my co-host Skiri, that's S-K-E-E-R-Y, it's not scary if you don't know who he is, um, he went and did an event a couple of weeks ago for a non-alcoholic uh, evening uh, promoting a product he's a sponsor for, and he uh, was on the field, and the people from the Mets PR department uh, introduced him to a woman named Alex. He said, hi, this is Alex. He says, oh, okay, and he starts talking to her about you know the day and how beautiful the stadium is, and he says, so... What do you do for the Mets? Because he didn't know who she was. So wow. she says, well, I, I own them. And he says, what? He says, yeah, I'm Alex Cohen. My husband, Steve, and I own the team. So he was obviously embarrassed. But anyway, he, he obviously fixed that up. And he was very friendly with her. And she gave him a, a tour of the whole stadium. Now, I was supposed to go with him to the game. Uh, but some family things came up. I wasn't able to make it. And then by the time that cleared up, couldn't make it with traffic. So Everybody kept saying, Where, where's Brody? Where, you know, that's my radio name, Brody. So where's Brody? Oh, we want to meet Brody. We love his phone tabs. We love him. You know, we love his podcast. And then um, Steve, the guy who runs Aramark, who runs all the restaurants, he's a big fan. So he spent half the night getting a tour of the stadium and, and watching the game and the rest telling everybody, I'm sorry, Brody's not here. He, he was supposed to make it. So Alex says, well, you guys have to come anytime you want. Let me know. I'm there certain nights a week. And if you can do it on a night that I'm there, here's my schedule. I'll reach out. Have, have Brody reach out to me. So I reached out to her and she said, absolutely. Can't wait to meet you. Um, I'll have, I'll have it all set up. What day do you want to come? And it was this week on Wednesday. We're taping this. I think we're taping it on Friday. So a couple of days ago and I'm like, Oh my God, she's inviting me to the game. So we get there. 
And there's a, a private entrance on the side of the stadium that used to be for VIPs. And, and I was fortunate enough to have gone in that entrance before. But now it's an owner's guest only entrance. So when you go in, they know where you're going. They give you wristbands and they escort you uh, into the hallway and then the door. Now I've seen the door because, I, you know, I've had all access pass. I've seen p- famous people go into the door, but, you know, I've never been in the door. And this is back when it was Saul Katz's um, former owner of the Mets. It was his suite. And then there's a staircase that would connect to, at the time, the Wilpon suite. Well, we go in and we uh, take the, that we, it's a beautiful hallway with a, it's just Met logos everywhere. Go up a private elevator to Alex's suite. And there's someone that greets us when we get off the elevator. And, you know, they go right this way. And you walk in and it's this giant suite right behind home plate, right off the field level. You look to the right, you can see like uh, where Seinfeld's suite is, a couple of down. He didn't, didn't come to the game. Oh, but it's beautiful. If you go to my Instagram, at David Brody, you'll see it's a, there's a full bar, and there was all, oh, incredible catered food. And she redesigned everything herself. We, did, we saw the staircase to Steve's suite, but he wasn't there, and we didn't get to go up. So uh, Alex wasn't able to make it. She was a little under the weather. So uh, her assistant took us around, and, you know, whatever you want, drinks, food, whatever. They have orange seating, orange and blue plates, like some plates are orange, some plates are blue. The napkins are orange or blue. And then the, the seats in the suite are all leather, blue leather with orange Mets logos on them. It, it was like if you could make your own basement as a Mets fan, that's what this looked like. Uh, it's just fantastic. And the view is ridiculous because you're right behind home plate, a little bit up, you know, so you get a nice view of everything. Um, yeah, it's great. It was fantastic. It was an amazing experience. And there were a lot of Mets fans there. So the guy who threw out the first pitch, uh, Logan Aldridge, who is a, a famous uh, one-armed athlete who also now works with Peloton, but he uh, he can lift like 250 pounds with one hand. If you, if you check out Aldridge, Logan, on it's amazing. So uh, I want to tell you about some of the conversations we have, but I'll get to that. But yeah, the suite, fantastic. And because Alex wasn't there, I believe we're going to get to go back. So we'll see. I was going to ask, are you going back with Alex? And how do I get in there with you? And have you previously been in this suite before this ownership? No, I've been in suites before, but not in this suite. So I knew the Will Ponds. I didn't know Saul Katz, but I didn't know the Will Ponds on the level of invite me into your suite. Right. I knew them into if they saw me, they said hello to me. Uh, They they requested I do a phone tap for them once. I I think I may have mentioned it to you. I I phone tapped Jay Horowitz, the Mets press secretary, where I pranked him. Uh, Jeff asked for me to do that. So they knew me. I knew them. They were very nice to me, but no, they never invited me into the suite. So I want to hear more about the suite, but I also want to know if you're going to now make your way somehow into that new field level suite in right field. That looks awesome. Oh, the Cadillac lounge. Yeah. Yeah. Scary got the tour of it. Um, and, And had Alex been there on Tuesday, on Wednesday, we would have gotten, you know, I would have gotten to go through that, but because she wasn't there, I didn't want to go without her. So it's like, no, we'll just stay in the suite. And then um, towards the end of the game, we went upstairs to the broadcast booth. Uh, I become very friendly with Colin Cosell, who is not only the grandson of Howard Cosell, but he's a stadium announcer and an incredibly nice guy. So we did that. um, And I'm saving the Cadillac lounge tour for the next time we get that kind of treatment. So. All right. So Alex Cohen's suite, you're in there, orange and blue, just yep. like your backdrop if you're watching this for the oh, yeah. boys. Podcast logo, of course, Mets colors. Yep, got to have it. Yep. So 
talk to us about all the food options in this suite. And you mentioned, you know, whatever you want. If you said, hey, can I get some Shake Shack? Were they going to run and go get it for you? Tell us about all the food. Well, the Shake Shack was already there. So there were trays of Shake Shack with and without cheese. There was um, uh, empanadas and um, all kinds of uh, little fried hors d'oeuvres, taquitos. Uh, there were uh, hot dogs and there was a, a seafood uh, table that had shrimp and uh, lobster tacos. And then there was um, the other side of the room had cold cuts. So you had Italian meats and cheeses. And uh, and again, it was a full bar, whatever you wanted. And then throughout the game, and then there were chicken fingers. And then throughout the game, other food showed up. They rotated food in and out. Mm, so at wow. some point, oh, then, then at some point they were serving uh, ice cream sundaes. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with all the food. It just, it just kept coming and they kept rotating it in. Uh, and you know, by the time it was like the fourth inning, I'm like, I don't even care what they're bringing in. I can't, I can't eat anymore. It was, it was quite a nice option. Too much. Yeah. yeah I, I sat once in the, the Hyundai club at the no, nice. but it was, I got sick because they, they took the food away in the fourth inning. So I was just like eating so much, so much beforehand. It's like, I got to get my money's worth there. I'm paying a lot yeah, of money yeah. and Great experience. The food at City Field, second to none, I think many would say. And sounds like you had a great experience. And, of course, the Mets won, which yep. was awesome. So we're going to get you back out to the stadium more often. Any big games coming up, got to get you there. Okay. I think Alex should get you in for the Subway Series, David. Well, like she's got to get me into Yankee Stadium then right. uh, because this time around it's for the Yankees. But I'm sure she's got some seats if she wants them. Yeah. You know, got to sweep that series, which would be huge. So tell us about some of those interactions you had in, in the owner's suite. Well, uh, so uh, Logan, uh, who's from North Carolina, he uh, he threw out the first pitch. He has uh, one arm. He lost his left arm in a, in a boating accident. And it, and he threw out the first pitch right handed. He did very well. And as it turns out, he was born left handed. So he's learned to do everything with his right hand. So. He came up to me, so I was wearing a Mets jersey with my name on it. Figured I must be a real fan, right? Because I got the jersey with my name on it. And he says, listen, I, don't, I know I know a little bit about baseball, but I don't know anything about the Mets, really. Uh, I'm honored to be here, but growing up in North Carolina, my family were all Braves fans. What can you tell me about the team? So I kind of ran him through all the key players and whether they're hot and what to expect and how they were going to handle each situation. And I, I did pretty well. I, I called certain things that happened, and I said, watch this. This is going to, you know, and I, I said, watch Vogelback's not going to do anything. You know, they get a little booing. And of course that happened a big surprise, uh, but he was like, Oh my God. And then, so his friends were quizzing him. Who's the catcher. He's like, Oh, that's uh, Francisco Alvarez. He's 21 years old. He's got uh, at the time, I think 17 home runs for a rookie catcher. And uh, you know, he went to Alonzo who's not hitting well. And he, he went around, he remembered everything. So that was great. But there was a guy there, a uh, very nice guy. I'm not going to mention any names, but he was very knowledgeable about the Mets, except, all of his opinions were wrong, in my opinion. Mm. And so I said, I thought Drew Smith stunk. And he's like, no, I like Drew Smith. I'm like, okay, I don't know what you're this watching. That wasn't scary, was it? Was it wasn't it? No, 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 no. Um, and then I and then we're talking about the trade deadline. And I said, yeah, because uh, I was talking to Sky Logan. I said, yeah, Tommy Pham's probably going to get traded. And Mark Hanna is, uh, is probably going to get traded. People are already calling about him. And I said, you know, Jose Quintana is starting tomorrow night. And if he has two or three good starts before the deadline, he could be trade bait. And the guy says to me, no way. No one's going to trade for a guy that only pitched a couple of games. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, uh, I said, no, that's not how baseball works. If he proves himself healthy after three starts, he's a left-handed starter. 
that almost every team in the postseason would love to have. Of course, he'll he'll be in demand. Ah, you're crazy. It's never going to happen. So today on, on Trade Rumors, of course, it's all about Jose Quintana coming off his start last night. You know, so I emailed the guy. I'm like, oh, Drew Smith and Jose Quintana say hi. You know, I mean, no one's right all the time, but certainly people are wrong all the time. So that's good. But it was all it was all Mets fans. And I'll tell you, there were a couple of guys that I found out something Alex does. that's really cool. When she goes to the games, she has binoculars. And on occasion, she will look to see who has some of the worst seats in the stadium. And she will send her assistant to go get them and bring them to the suite. So there were two older gentlemen that had been sitting in the upper deck all the way in like the worst, you know, bad, bad seats. Yeah. And uh, apparently um, at a previous game, she had called them down to come sit in the suite and they were invited back for the game Wednesday night because she, she, uh, you know, they hadn't seen the whole game or whatever. So they got to come back again. Uh, But how cool is that? That yeah, the owner is upgrading people into her personal suite. Amazing. Wow. Next Amazing. time I go to a game, I got to get tickets for the last row in left field. Yeah, exactly. With a sign that says, I love you, Alex. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned you wore your Brody jersey. Yeah. You're going to the owner's suite. Did you put a lot of time and thought into what you were going to wear to the game that night? I did. I did. I Because I had, you know, I have, I don't know, 20 Mets jerseys at least in different eras and colors and home and away. And so I wanted to wear something that if, if she saw it, which she didn't cause she wasn't there, that it would spark conversation like, Oh, where's that Mets Jersey from? So All I right. wore my dark blue, early two thousands Binghamton Mets Jersey. So it looks like a Mets Jersey. It has the same patch with a little darker blue. And it's, it's more of a Navy version with the orange Mets across it. And I had my name on it, my number, whatever. So I thought that would be like, Oh, where'd you get that sort of conversation? Uh, but she wasn't there. So now I can't wear that again because her assistant and scary saw it. So I may wear my Star Trek Mets Jersey, just something to get the conversation going. I think if you have it, you need to wear your Mars Mets Jersey so they can bring back that. Oh yeah. 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 No, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't have that. Thankfully I don't. What was that? The, um, it's like to the future night or something. Oh, the, the future Mets. Yeah. I forgot what they called it. It was, um, 90 mid nineties. Late 90s. Oh, the, the Mercury Mets. That's Mercury what Mercury Mets, yeah. Mercury Mets, yeah. What uh, Oral Hershiser was on the team. I remember him wearing it. Right. Boy, that was bad. No, I don't have a Mercury Mets jersey. No. All right. Well, I'm glad you had a great time at the game with the owner. Well, what suite. would you wear, Nick? What would you wear if you were going to the booth, to the suite? You know, I might have to go uh, suit and tie, Mets tie. I don't know. I think I got to try to really try to impress and try to, to do my best to – to land a job with the organization. I figured you'd walk in with a microphone, you know? Oh, I would definitely try to get the interview. That's for sure. Right. I wouldn't want to press it, you know, even if you didn't, you'd be like, I don't go anywhere without this. I'm a professional, you know, exactly. I don't know if they let me in the stadium through security with a microphone, but maybe with that VIP entrance, you never know. Maybe one day I'll get to experience the sweet life like you and I'll be able to determine that. Yeah. But, Right now, let's take a look here at, you know, you mentioned some of these names, the trade deadline, David, and some names that might be on the move. But first, you know, I haven't spoken to you since before the season, and this is a new audience for us here. Your thoughts on the first half, and ultimately, how surprised are you that the Mets are where they are today? What can I say that every Met fan hasn't said on social media? It's 
it's dumbfounding. It's, it's 1992 all over again. You know, the, the roster looked great. We all talked about how, yeah, they're buying a championship, but who cares? You know, we never got to do that before the Yankees that we always said the Yankees bought championships. So who cares? Oh, we've got Verlander coming off a of Cy Young and, and Scherzer coming off a, a sub three ERA season and Senga could be great. Uh, and then none of it happened. Quintana went down, Verlander went down and somehow the entire lineup outside of Nimmo really forgot how to hit for average. Just completely forgot. Now, look, I know that, that uh, hitting instructors don't make or break a team. They sort of add a little seasoning. But when you have a lineup where you have a batting champion and everybody else around you has re a really good season, why, why would you promote the batting champion, the, the, the hitting instructor, rather, uh, to bench coach? It's good for him, right? I remember when I worked in restaurants and um, you'd assign someone to clean the bathrooms. And the, the kids would work really hard doing a great job cleaning the toilets and the bathrooms because they wanted to get promoted. They would do a great job. But then management would, you know, because I was mid-management, I was like the supervisor or whatever. They'd say, no, if they clean the bathroom really well, we're not going to promote them because they clean the bathroom really well. Because the next people may not clean the bathroom really well. So doing your job didn't always mean a promotion. Now, you want to give Eric Chavez a raise, that's fine. But he did such a great job as the batting coach, as the hitting instructor. Why would you take him off that job? And then you bring in a guy without the track record. And nobody's hitting. Now, are they asking Eric to oversee and say, like, butt in a little bit? Are they look? We'll, we'll talk about this later, but remind me, I want to talk about Todd Zeal because he was great the other night on, on uh, Baseball Night in New York. Um, I, I don't, Pete Alonso is like this close to the Mendoza line. He can't hit, he can't stay off the, the outside pitch. He now he can't play first. I don't know what's going on there. Um, thank God for Alvarez. Who they who they weren't going to bring up? They said, "Oh, maybe we'll see him at the end of the year." There was an injury; he's not going to be up, you know, that long. So, thank God they they mistakenly brought Alvarez up because they weren't going to do that either. Uh, and then Marte is will never be the same as he was since his neck problem. So uh, I I just I mean, you and I can explain it now, but we certainly couldn't have predicted it then. Couldn't have. They're not going to win 80, 80 games at this point. And we were looking, oh, are they going to win 95? You know, I did three or four Mets podcasts, yours included, uh, predicting, you know, doing, breaking down every team and where they're going to, the Orioles? What? You know, so the Reds? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't, That's I can't fathom it. Season. So yeah. I think, yeah. I, think you listen, I think you listened to episode one of this podcast because I, I was saying Eric Chavez had a great year, great offense, and then they said, well, let's let's move him to bench coach. And now you see the offense is struggling, and Glenn Sherlock was a great bench coach last year. The Mets fundamentally, mentally were in every game. Yep. How many blunders have you seen this season? It's been pretty disgraceful. And it's just a sad state of affairs. This, this season, I thought even with Edwin Diaz going into it, the bullpen was going to fall short. You take him out of the equation, and it's fallen really short. Robertson's been great. Raleigh's been okay. Advino's stepped back from last year, I think. And the rest of the bullpen has been atrocious. I mentioned it on the first episode here that maybe Aaron Myers, who shut down Pete Alonso in the home run derby, he could perhaps 
instruct the Mets some good pitching techniques to keep the ball in the park. Mm-hmm. It's been a disaster, David, with yeah. the pitching. And I call, I kind of saw this coming. I thought they'd be a wild card team, maybe. I thought they were going to take a step back for sure because I was sitting there, game three of the wild card series. They get one hit versus the Padres. And I said to my friends that I'm there with, I said, I'm not coming back to a game next season unless they improve this offense. And they didn't. And Epler went into this this season saying, we have an offense that won 101 games last year, when he really should have been saying, we have an offense that against the Braves and the Padres for six games did not show up. What do you think about the offensive struggles this season and how they did not really address anything in the offseason? Well, I think you're right. They, they re-signed, you know, the players they needed to re-sign. They made a big deal out of, you know, keeping everybody. They signed Verlander and Scherzer. That's great. They, you know, they punched up the bullpen with Rayleigh and Robertson. That was fine. If you have Diaz, that's fine. Uh, Adovino has shown he can't pitch past the seventh inning because it takes him three minutes to throw a pitch. His windup is, is like slow motion. So anyone gets on base, they're on third before you know it. So he, he can't be trusted in the eighth inning. He can't. As far as the lineup, the only real change they made was third base, was bringing Beatty up and started you know, with Escobar, though. And Escobar was so. Remember, David, Escobar, he had such a great September and it was yeah. going to carry over. No, no, it doesn't work that way. He got hot. That doesn't mean anything. One month doesn't make a season. And you can't, you couldn't come into the season risking that he was going. Look, they tried to sign Correa. They were, they were looking to upgrade. Uh, I'll give them that. But then when the Correa thing fell through, and Steve Cohen said, we needed one more piece. When you didn't get Correa, again, if my timing is off, I apologize. But why not add J.D. Martinez? There were other yep. batters available when the right. Correa deal fell through. And if, you, if you're going to spend the money on Correa, and you heard they were smitten with this guy beforehand, instead of going for Correa, they could have signed Turner. Trey Turner, yeah. they could have gotten. Yeah. Yeah, a sure thing, you know. Um, although I think he's having, he's having a down season, having a down year, Correa's yeah, having yeah. a down year, but I think when they, when that ended up backing out and it didn't happen, that was kind of like a gut punch for the Mets in a sense that it kind of changed the culture. They said, we're going for this. We're going to bring in this awesome player who is so clutch in the postseason." And then it was like, uh, you know what? We're going to go to spring training. We got Darren Ruff still. We'll see what yeah. he can do. And we got Escobar. Escobar was hot in September. And it just did not work out offensively. And don't forget Vogel walk. High on base percentage. Uh, uh, How this many is a- teams, if you went around the majors, do you think their DH bats eighth? Um, I don't know. But keep in mind that Vogel back bats fifth most of the time. That was another it's comment. Lower some teams, but I, when the when the lefty when the lefties are in there, the right-handed DH back to Yes, yeah, absolutely. So this was another conversation I had with this this gentleman in the in the in the suite the other night. I, I was talking about how you know I I don't understand why Vogel back's batting fifth. Pete needs protection in the lineup. Alvarez has 19 home runs, and you put a guy with five home runs, and he's hitting two you know 220 behind Pete. Right, that's not protection. I, guy's terrible. The guy says to me, Vogelback's not good, but he's not the problem. Okay. He, I'll tell you why he's the problem. I understand Pete's hitting 204 and Lindor's hitting 220. Uh, and Marte's not hitting, you know, he's not hitting his normal self. I'll tell you why uh, Vogelback is the actual problem. If you look at Pete when he's, when he's playing, whatever he's hitting, 
you know he has potential. He has a proven track record. At any moment, he's going to get a home run. They're not going to run. He drives in 120 to 30 runs, whatever. You watch Lindor. He's hitting 220. But he has the potential. He has a track record. You know he could do something. He's earned batting third. When you have a guy who's a career 220 hitter, who's never done anything of value in Major League Baseball, who is again hitting 220. You can't say he needs time off to reach his potential. He needed to clear his head. His potential is what he's doing. He has five home runs. So he can't run. He can't play the field. He he doesn't hit for average, right? He's only there to hit home runs. I don't runs. think he has a glove, David. I don't think he, he, I don't think he has a glove. Yeah. If the your only job is to hit home runs and you have five, which is only a few more than Guillaume at this point, then you're worthless. You, your job as a DH is to hit home runs if you can do nothing else. So if you're not hitting home runs and you can't do anything else, and if you get a hit after the seventh inning, you have to be pinch run for, which means you lose a pinch hitter off the bench. You're, you're useless after the seventh inning. Why are you batting fifth? So as a Mets fan, I think, is my manager incompetent? Is my general manager trying to save face who traded for him? Right. Or do now they I'm not right. want to win? Yeah. Remember, they, the Mets' bullpen is atrocious. Last year, Colin Holderman was really good in his rookie season. They dealed him for Volga back to the Pirates, and Holderman's yep. been great because yep. they wanted to hold on to Buda, a Budo, who made that spot start last year when it was atrocious, and he was okay in one start this year, and then he was terrible. I don't trust Epler, David, and I think Buck kind of let it out that Epler is really involved in making the lineups this season, and I think you're right. They're trying to save face. That's why – they are doing the lineups like this. You mentioned it before. Epler did not want Francisco Alvarez in the majors. They yep. signed Nervaez. He loved. They loved Nito, and they they hand got forced in the spring in, in spring training. Buck said, "Oh, we'd be happy if we see Alvarez in September." Yeah, in September. Where would they be without this guy right now? They wouldn't. And as far as Nito, speaking of Epler, when Nito was coming back off the disabled list, they had Gary Sanchez. Yes. So they cut Gary Sanchez. Because they had Alvarez and Sanchez. They cut Sanchez after three at-bats, four at-bats, six at-bats, two games, whatever it was. They cut him to bring Nito back. Sanchez goes to the Padres, hits five home runs in the first week and a half. And then Alvarez, uh, uh, Navarez comes back, and they cut Nito a week and a half, two weeks later. So rather than take a chance on Sanchez, you cut him to give you a week and a half with Tomas Nito. A guy you know can't hit. You couldn't get by with, with Gary Sanchez. That at worst case scenario, worst case, you move him to the right-handed DH position sure. and you carry three catchers. That gives you the opportunity to have um, Alvarez as your that DH. That would best case scenario if he actually hit. I mean, Sanchez in that one game he played defensively, he was awful. So you know Navarez was going to get his spot back. But Navarez, he must be fuming. He signs this big deal. I'm going to be the starting catcher. Yeah. And now he's playing maybe once a week. But kudos to the Mets on Thursday, even though it didn't really work out, that yep. when they gave Alvarez Finally. the off day, he Finally. DH'd. Yeah, but how many times did they have that opportunity and they just benched him? Every time. Except the last one, time. One other time he got his DH this season. Yeah. The last time they benched him when Narvaez hit the home run on uh, was it Tuesday? No, Thursday. They yeah, DH'd him. But before that, every time every time Alvarez would not catch, they didn't DH him because they're worried if Narvaez gets injured, you lose the DH. Right. Okay, but you're losing the game, right? They're not, it's, I think it's depressing for Mets fans. If you go on social media, every time Vogelback is batting fifth, it gives Mets fans the, the feeling, this pit in their stomach, 
that my team is either incompetent or isn't caring enough to win because you keep putting a lineup out. And every time they pinch hit Vogelback for Canna, I look at the stats and I see Canna has better stats against righties than Vogelback. Well, if I know that, why doesn't the manager know that? Does he only know lefty righty? Is that it? Oh, as a righty, got to put a lefty up. How about how about the other night? Uh, DJ Stewart DHs hits a home run. Next day, yep, bench. back back to Vogel back. Yeah, I know. Listen, when they brought up left-handed fat guy DJ Stewart, I thought they were going to get rid of left-handed fat guy Vogel back. It's like when they brought up Danny Mendick. Do we really need a utility infielder to back <laughs> up our utility infielder? <laughs> right. We yeah. have a left-handed fat guy. Pick one. Well, you point, put him behind a curtain and point to one of the silhouettes and go that fat, fat left-handed guy. We'll keep him. I mean, you need both. Are you kidding me? Stewart plays point, the field. They're not going to call up Ronnie Mauricio. Yeah. They, why? They're going to, they're going to wait for like three weeks in four weeks in next year to keep his arbitration. That's bullshit. To call him up, but he could have been up earlier. You could have been having him. You could have been having him play. You could have rotated the DH between him and move, move him around. McNeil could bounce around. They could have done that, but again, that's kind of, I think, like you said, Epler's pride getting in the way when he's trying to save face on his, his bad deals. So let's look at this trade deadline. Do you trust Epler, and what do you realistically think could happen? I don't think Berlander or Scherzer got traded with their big deals. I could see Robertson getting traded, although I would love to see him back with the Mets next year. I'm in that eighth inning, and I think they have to. If the, even if the win a few here and they get to 500, you have to move Tommy Pham. He's having yeah. a career year and you need to get something for him. Well, hopefully he's, hopefully Pham's not injured. And, and promise me we can get back to Ronnie Mauricio because I have a question for you. Yeah. So as far as the deadline, Robertson's got to go. He's a free agent. Now, if you want to Chapman him and bring him back after you trade him like the Yankees did, I'm fine with that. You know, if he likes New York, he's got a home already. His right. wife likes shot, whatever. Bring him back. That's fine. You know, but again, he's got the money to do it. So why not? He's, he's going to be 39 next year. So at what point, you know, at some point you go, oh, he's good at 38. I'll be good at 39. No, no. At some point there's a cliff. And I think what you do with Robertson, to be honest with you, good guy, you either bring him back at seventh inning money or you don't bring him back at all because you can't bring him back at closer money, which is what he's going to want. You can't bring him back at eighth inning money because you don't know if he's going to be an eighth inning guy next year. Every guy in his 38, 39 year, there's a cliff. You know, look at Verlander, Cy Young, 1.8 ERA, whatever it was. He's pitching well, but he's not pitching Cy Young one point something ERA. I, 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 you keep making that same mistake, bringing back the guy for one more year, expecting the same thing out of him. It's not going to happen. So maybe I, I'd rather invest my money in, in obviously Otani, but maybe Blake Snell or a younger, uh, an early 30s stud that I can bring into the game, into the team. I don't know, what, but Robinson's got to go. If Fam is healthy, Goodbye. Thanks for a great, it was a great one-year deal. Epler, tip your cap. Fantastic. Canna, got to go. Goodbye. Good guy. Yeah, but what's the value? What, who's going to trade for Canna? Who wants well, the, to apparently the Mariners are already knocking on the door. All right, let him go then. That's fine. Go. Well, Kellenick just kicked uh, kicked something, broke his he foot. Broke his foot, yeah. Right. So now they they're down and outfield. Bring him back. That's that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take an injured Kellenick. Listen, if the Mets can benefit again from trading Kellenick by getting something in return for Canna, then that's a, that's a double Kellenic win. Then you got Diaz and, and whoever else from the Mariners. That's great. As far as the rest How of the about team. Trevor got real quick, David. I think he's got to go. They brought him in to be this big, yeah, this big time pen guy for years to come. Yikes. I think, I think got is 
better than the seventh and eighth guys in the bullpen. I think God is better than Leon. I think God is better than Drew Smith. I think God is better than uh, whatever other. Oh God. Yeah. So is he an upgrade? He's absolutely an upgrade. Is he an upgrade worth 4 million in Chris Flexen's salary? I don't know. Should he be in there when you have a one run lead and Robertson's on nine days rest? And no, no. they bring him in the game to play. No, game. what was it a week ago? Right yeah. after the all after the All Star break, like he hadn't pitched in nine days. Robertson, they could and, and announcers are going, "Hey, they got it." Was I think it was the Apple TV game, and the announcers are saying, "Well, they should bring in Robinson. He hasn't pitched in nine days." They or it was maybe it was Ron Darling. It was Darling. He said, "Bring him in in the eighth. Let him go six. Let him go Sunday six game. outs." Yeah, yeah. And they ended guy, up going two innings anyway for extra innings. Right when the game, right? I I don't get Buck sometimes. It's like that game when. The, the meat of the order was up and he brought in Adovino in the eighth instead of Robertson in the eighth. He's like, well, if, if I brought in, this is what he said. You remember. Well, if I brought in Robertson in the eighth, who would I have in the ninth? Well, I don't know. Anyone else? Adovino. What do you mean? Who would you have? It doesn't work that way. You don't have to bring in your best pitcher in the ninth as a rule. If Robertson comes in in the eighth and you get through it with a lead, then you you can bring in anybody in the ninth at the bottom of the order with a two-run lead. Right. You have to put your best against your best. And and there was a time last year where Diaz would bring in, I'm sorry, would Buck would bring in Diaz in the seventh or the eighth. When the fire is burning, that's when you bring in your fireman, like the old days. You bring in your best pitcher when you if you got second and third and no outs, you don't bring in your third best reliever. You bring in your guy, you bring in Diaz for the strikeouts. So that he has mishandled the bullpen. He mishandles the lineup, or they mishandle the lineup. But there's no confidence, and I'm like, where's where's Joe Madden? He's on MLB. He's doing he's doing interviews. He's doing uh, he's he's taught. He's uh, uh, they go to him all the time for Zoom calls. Joe Madden, let's get him off the bench. Well, I'm not they, saying he. I, I I don't know if they would go in that direction. I think Buck stays on next year, uh, and if that, I think you're looking at one of the executives coming into the the bench, and it's going to be Carlos Beltran for a second stint. No, Mets manager. I think no. that's what that's the direction they'll go. No, I I disagree. First of all, you just made Chavez your bench coach, so uh, you're really going to replace him. I think Chavez is being groomed to take over. Huh. I don't think they want to d- jump into the Beltron thing again. I really don't. He's already on the, but he works on this. He works for the team. Yeah, because his opinion, like for talent, matters. But he listen. There was a time, even even in real life, Nick. If you want to, you want to be announcer for the Mets. What are you going to do? Do right from the bottom up. Right. You work in the minors. You work for the Cyclones. You do podcasting. You do interviews. You work for free. You do whatever you have to to earn your stripes to then work your way up to the big time. Right? right? You don't just call us Beltron it and go, I want to be manager. The man hasn't made an effort to manage one minor league game. Yeah, but look at Aaron Boone. He came right out of the broadcast booth. And how, yeah, and how long did it take him? And he was in the broadcast booth. So, He's analyzing and studying every game. And look, he's, he's fine. was in the booth for the Yankees last year. Oh, I just don't think they're going to replace. I, don't, I think Buck's coming back. But if they did get rid of him, I don't think they're going for somebody in his same age range of a Joe Madden. I, I don't know if Madden's the age problem. I think Madden's the kind of guy that would pull a guy out of right field when he makes a mistake and benches him. I, I am. Look, I don't care who they bring in. I am done with the Buck press conferences. Done with Buck. Okay. I, I'm done with Buck and his. God, you know, it's the one they all have the want to. They all want to. 
You just sometimes you can't always do what you want to. Oh, what'd you think of that awful play? Don't you miss the Terry Collins press conferences? Yes. Yes. Because he spoke. He's like that. Yeah. He, he messed up. If they hired Beltran as manager, Terry Collins should be the bench coach. That'd be. Why would you ever be vice president after you were president? You still got to get on the plane. Larry Bella did it. With you the still got to travel. You still got to. Terry Collins is a hundred years old. He, he sits wants home. to be back in the game. You know, he no, does. He doesn't. How, he wants about, to be... how about letting Omar Minaya go? Oh. And now he's with the Yankees. He's the best talent evaluator in baseball. Yeah. He also made some horrific trades. He really yeah, but did. He wasn't the GM. He, 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 he drafted that 2015 team. He drafted the core of these guys. So uh, He and Sandy, uh, depending on what, he, what year it was. Yes. Uh, say, listen, uh, listen, David Wright was drafted by Steve Phillips. So, yeah. you know, there's a, a lot I of like guys. Get, a lot of guys get, listen, Omar, Omar had some good drafts. Uh, I would, if you look at the trades he made, and I'm not talking about ripping off the Marlins for, uh, you know, for, for, for Carlos and, and for, uh, you know, uh, his regular trades, a lot of stinkers, a lot of bad trades with the Expos, a lot of bad trades with the Mets. Yeah, well, that's uh, GM. I trust him internationally and whatnot. Oh, internationally. I wouldn't have let him go. But you know no. what? He, he may have wanted more money than, than they could afford. They may have wanted more authority no, than they Sandy wanted to give him. him there. Remember, they, clear, they got rid of him when Alderson came back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he may was, have wanted more authority. Yeah. So we could talk about Alderson. And you and like Buck, though. Epler, moving forward. I, I have to see what the alternative is to Buck first. I think this is what I think is playing out, David. And then we got to move on. Yep. I think Cohen is going to hire David Stearns to be the president of baseball operations. 100%. They will keep Epler for this season and Buck to, to say, let's you know keep things steady. The whole that. season. The whole season. Guaranteed. Start the season. Start the season. Epler okay. is staying because they want to see if his ties with Otani do anything. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to sign him. Buck will stay as manager. If they get off to a bad start, you're right. Eric Chavez, he'll be promoted to manager right away. That's how I see it playing out. But we'll have you on again, of course, going into the offseason. But real quick on some of these, you said that they're mismanaging the players. Mark Vientos, he's back up. He needs to play 10 days in a row. You can't yep. be having him just pinch hit once or twice a week. I don't have any faith that he's necessarily going to be a superstar in the majors, but you won't know until he plays. Right. Yeah, he's got to play every day. You know, you, you look at social media and people are like, oh, he stinks. He came up, he couldn't hit. He started one game. He, you know, what do you have? Like six, seven, eight games total. Yeah, he the whole run sporadically. The game he started. He hit a home run. They benched him. Yeah. Another game, he had two hits. They benched him the day after that. Either, either making the DH. Look, you're at a time now. You got two weeks with the trade deadline. Fam could be injured. Marte's on the disabled list. This is why I wanted to talk about Mauricio. Vientos is a first baseman, third baseman DH. Which means you got to put Stewart in right field. And if Fam is down, you got to start Canna. If you trade any of them, you got nobody. You got to bring up LaCastro. Pete's struggling at first base. Put Vientos at first. Leave him there. Let Pete just focus on hitting. Not worry about making errors for a few games. Let him rest. As as far as you know, bringing up anybody else. Had they brought up Mauricio, you put Mauricio at second. Put McNeil in the outfield. Vientos doesn't give you that flexibility because he can't play second. I so thought don't Vientos have... was playing left field last year when he came up briefly with the Mets. He's uh, not a left yeah. fielder, though. No, not a left field. And then you could put Beatty in left, but you saw what he did with a pop-up last week. Mm. Uh, I, I guess you're going to put Vientos at first, DH in third, uh, platoon him with Vientos at third. May, I mean, um, with Beatty. Maybe you move Beatty to left field. 
because they need an outfielder. And if Fam's down, maybe you got to make another corresponding move. Which at well, that right. point, right now, has yeah, Mark, right now the outfield is going to be Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, and Jeff McNeil. Yeah, yeah, but that means you have Guillaume at second. You didn't solve the problem by bringing Vientos up. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Well, this is it. Listen, Vientos, if he's going to be up and he's not going to play the field, he should DH. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen there. So tell us your 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 thoughts here on your, your Todd Zeal story and Baseball Night in New York. And when when do you think we're going to see you on Baseball Night in New York? So oh, I don't think anytime soon. But I did do um, uh, the Day Off podcast for SNY, which you can you can find online anywhere. Uh, so that was – I got close. I got close. Uh, Todd Zeal did a breakdown of Pete's swing, similar to what they do on uh, MLB Network all the time. They showed Pete's normal swing and his current swing. And it was so obvious how he was leaning more and his shoulder angle was off and his the name on his back was different. And he was and why he's swinging early for the inside pitch and how it's costing him on the outside, the outside off speed pitch, beautifully broken down. And then you watch the game that night and it's exactly what he's doing. Now, look, I don't know if Zeal noticed it. If somebody noticed it and gave Todd Zeal the footage and said, here, talk this up, whatever the case, someone on the Mets, I'm sure, knows that. But they're not working with Pete. They're not fixing him. They're not giving him a day off to fix it. He plays every day, which is which is admirable. But if he's got a, a problem with his swing, you can't fix it. So Todd explained they're pitching him inside for most of the season, which means he's got to swing faster to get around on the inside pitch. So because he's swinging earlier, he he's swinging too soon for the outside pitches. So he's setting up for the inside pitch. And then he's swinging early and then he's got to, oh crap, he's, I'm outside. And consistently he's swinging early and then stretching for the outside pitch and they're getting him almost every at bat. And you think he'd see a pattern. Somebody would see a pattern and say, hey, Pete, start thinking, you know, uh, plate out. Maybe Eric Chavez should get back in the hitting room. I've heard he's a good call. Uh, yeah. So I think Pete's afraid of getting hit because well, he got hit. I think that it, I think he's still hurt from that. Now he's gun shy as well because yeah, before that shy. he was on a toward pace. He was on pace for 60 home runs. MVP. Yep. MVP, no doubt about it. And that kind of that was the, the downfall really of the Mets. Yeah, all because he yelled, throw it again, throw it again. I he got hit deliberately. I don't care what anybody says. You know, I mean I love Pete's fire, but he shouldn't have said that. Pete's an intense guy. David, yeah. it's been a pleasure here. Let everybody know where they could find you and your, your Mets, your Mets takes. And of course the Brooklyn boys podcast. There you go. Uh, you could find me on Instagram, uh, Twitter and threads. If you, you care about threads at all at David Brody, that's B R O D Y. If you're not watching this. Uh, and uh, if I do anything else met related, it's always on my social media and Nick finds a way to wrangle me for all of his podcasts because he's fantastic. Nick, it's always a pleasure talking sports with you. Uh, and have me back anytime. I'm honored to be your first guest on this one. All right, David, we will definitely have you back on here in the Believe in the Mets podcast. Love it. So that's going to do it here for this episode. For our special guest, the immortal David Brody, I am Nick Durst. And until next time, everybody, let's go Mets. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.